0: You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. All right. uh, So, Brian, you've been following me. You guys might remember this guy. Give him a big round of applause. Yeah. So, Brian uh, served on our uh, Next Generation uh, Ministries team and overseeing kids and youth. It was fun. And it was, yeah, it was awesome. So you had a great start and a great finish at North Valley, and now you're pastoring a church in Michigan. So give us the update. Green Country Church? Correct. Green Country Church. Yeah. So uh, last, end of August, um, I moved my family back to Michigan, and God's been just doing an amazing work at my old church. So it was the church that I grew up in. Many of you may know that. Some of you may not. Um, but the church that I grew up in, I'm now uh, leading as the, as the pastor, which is something I never imagined. Senior pastor. Happening. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Um, but by the grace of God, I mean, truly, I feel humbled. Um, I just feel so blessed. You know, God's been doing some, some pretty neat things. We've seen pretty surprising growth. We got a bunch of kids now, which when we first started was literally my kids, my two kids. And now uh, we've got about 15, 20 kids showing up on a, on a Sunday service. And that's so cool. It's awesome. Yeah. God's doing some cool stuff yeah. for sure. So. And the story is like your, your grandpa was at this church. Yeah. Right? So it was actually my my great grandpa started it. Then my great uncle was the pastor. My uncle was also the pastor. So there's a lot of family connection at this cool? church. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. That's really cool. Well, Brian, in the first service, uh, we gave you and your wife Two nights stay at the Courtyard Marriott, anywhere in the country, because we love you and we're proud of you. As a church, we want to support pastors doing great work. And then two guys, just so you know, um, a lot of churches shut their doors during COVID and even coming out of COVID, and Brian shows up and brings life back to a church. It's so cool. So here's another gift, the second service gift. It's it's $200 of Visa money. So you can spend it anywhere you want to be. There's Visa for yeah, you. There, is. <laughs> there you go. So you well, guys give you so him a big much. round yeah, of applause. You guys. Thanks for being with us, buddy. So he just told me he was coming in town, and I said, well, it'd be really cool if you could just show up, and we can encourage you. So great to have him be here today. Uh, we've got a great students program and a great kids program, and Brian laid the groundwork, and now our new team is taking it to the next level. So... Well, this morning, what I want to do is I want to just take a moment and uh, remind you we're in a series called uh, Censorship, Cancel Culture, and Jesus. And so we're looking at some uh, challenging uh, truth. I think uh, for those of you that were with us last week, you perhaps recall uh, I addressed uh, the uh, Deer Valley Unified School District on some truth issues. So uh, I want to give you an update on that. I addressed the Uh, the school board or at least the uh, superintendent's office and made contact with them and saying that our church would like to be involved uh, with the school board to at least voice some concerns of some of the educational content that's coming out into the um, higher levels, at least that we've seen in the educational system, what's called a new socio-construct, meaning gender is fluid, so you can switch your gender at any point in time. And uh, teaching that and, uh, and perhaps uh, e- even been incentivizing uh, gender swapping. And so um, good news is, is they've said, yes, uh, we'll work with you. Um, I have a number of volunteers that are going to uh, already uh, uh, get involved with that. Carmen Paulus, uh, Sam Burdine, and a few others have already said, we want to be involved in that. And uh, today's topic is speaking truth in tough times. And so I felt like it would be appropriate for me to give you that update and let you know that our church wants to do that, and uh, we are going to do that. Um, our hope and desire is just to share truth and uh, to do that, not just here amongst ourselves, but into all the world. Jesus said that you're a light to the world, that you're salt of the earth, and so that means there's, we, have, we should have a cultural influence on the world around us. Well, today I want to uh, read to you uh, or share with you an article that I read recently about a young college student down in Florida uh, who was censored, canceled, kicked out in a sense, fired from his position just because he decided to speak up and to speak out about some things that were going on. Uh, in February 2022, there was a publication from Alliance Defending Freedom. The title of the article was Faith and Justice. It was a story of a young man named Jack Denton uh, from Florida State University. He was part of a student government group on campus, uh, that, uh, was, and he was active in his Catholic student union. The event took place several years ago when he was at the pool with his girlfriend and on campus, and a text message came over his phone, and it was part of a group chat of his fellow classmates and friends from the Catholic Student Union. The text was related to the social upheaval that was sweeping across the country at the time in the wake of George Floyd's murder by a Minneapolis police officer. Uh, the text was urging all the students to offer financial support to the controversial political activist groups like Black Lives Matter and ACLU. Jack, being a pretty smart young man, quickly looked up the websites of these groups and realized that they had openly supported the ideas of abortion, same-sex marriage, deconstruction of the nuclear family, and even so far as Marxism and Communism. Uh, he felt that this was pretty important and wanted to address the Catholic group and just mention something because if you're going to financially support something, that's saying something. He was surprised to find that very few of his own Catholic uh, student friends um, took the took a little slow down to look into these groups. Uh, they so quickly, easy promoted it and were even seeking funding for it. Um, He felt that it clearly violated the basic biblical beliefs of the Catholic Student Union, which he uh, was uh, being uh, requested to donate uh, amongst. So he sent a text very quickly of his own, and he said, I quote, it was instinctive for me to do this. Uh, He wrote this back to a text message. He says, hey, I don't mean to anger anyone. I know this is an incredibly emotional topic right now. However, it is very important that we know what we're supporting as Catholics. If I stay silent on this while my brothers and sisters may be financially supporting an organization that promotes grave evils such as abortion, same-sex marriage, and all these other things, I, I, uh, I have sinned through my silence if I don't say anything. I love you all, and I want us to be aware of the truth. As far as it is for a religious issue or not, there isn't any aspect of our lives that isn't religious because God wants our whole lives to be oriented around him. Very good text message. Uh, Somebody ended up copy-pasting that message all throughout social media platforms, and it went viral. Um, Within just a few hours, he was requested by the FSU um, powers that may be for him to come to an immediate meeting. He was terrified and uh, he was summoned to a meeting which felt more like a witch trial. Normally there would be perhaps a dozen or so students at these kind of quick meetings. There was several hundred college students there. He goes into the room and they begin to rail on him, insult him with all sorts of criticism. Statements like, Jack Denton, you should never have been allowed to hold a position in the first place with these known beliefs of yours. He's he's Catholic. He's promoting pro-life ideas. Somebody else said, I'm disgusted with all the Catholics that are trying to stand behind him with this outdated, extreme, cultish mindset. Somebody else said, don't let this man cower behind religious views. Jack, I hope you're listening right now and you understand why your beliefs are so vile, so wrong, kill you, kill you, kill you. That meeting was supposed to last one hour. It lasted seven hours. A young college boy just trying to stand up for his beliefs and and urge his Catholic Catholic friends to slow down and not financially support these organizations because it contradicted their own beliefs. The place was like a packed house of frenzied wolves that had, rightfully so, some pent-up anger, right? Of political frustrations and racial issues that were going on. But they devoured him and attacked him. Uh, Immediately they had him removed, they called for a vote, they immediately had him removed from all his volunteer and paid positions within FSU. Uh, Why? Because he challenged the Catholic Student Union members not to financially support an organization that actually supported and promoted things that were anti-Catholic. That's why he was removed. Thankfully, Jack had some friends uh, at Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF is a conservative legal team uh, that helps people like Jack in his situation. The attorney from ADF advised FSU and their school board and administration and their student government to reinstate Jack immediately, and the administrators of FSU refused. ADF said, okay, then we will file a federal lawsuit because there's clear evidence that Jack's rights, religious rights, have been violated. Shortly thereafter, thankfully, FSU Supreme Court, within their student government, reinstated Jack, quickly stating that we cannot uh, discriminate students based on their religious beliefs. That's the fight that we live in. When you speak up and you speak out, realize you will offend people and you can create a firestorm in a moment's notice. Um. Not all stories end like that where somebody comes to the rescue to defend you. Uh, Not all stories end like that for Christians and uh, and specifically that we look at in the life of Jesus Christ. He will say things that ultimately get him crucified. Uh, Christians are in the same boat. As a Christian, you have to realize that in a time such as this, you're still required by our Lord Jesus to speak up for truth in tough times. Uh, I told you last week, I urged the mothers, and I said, I don't think we need to uh, raise children uh, to simply just enjoy the Christian life, but prepare them and train them to be tough. Um, So many kids are so easily offended. Our culture is so easily offended. The skin is so thin. It's not tough skin. And as a Christian, you have to be trained and be strengthened and be tougher, especially in times like this. Jack was tough. He he stood there, they have video recordings, and he took it like a man for seven hours as his classmates uh, called him all sorts of evil insults and names and whatnot. Uh, Thankfully, the school board did reinstate him. Let's jump into the text this morning. We're going to be looking at the life of Jesus Christ again, the controversy that he creates because he speaks up and speaks out. Some of the things Jesus said are rightfully so offensive, uh, but they need to be understood. So we're going to look at those this morning. Jesus has already performed miracles. He's fed the multitudes. And now he is using this opportunity where he has performed a miracle, uh, giving folks uh, bread and fish, multiplied uh, that to perhaps 15,000, 20,000. He's fed the multitudes. And then he turns around and he calls himself the bread of life. In doing so, he's claiming that he is God. But he goes so far and says some things that are deeply controversial. And uh, many of his disciples think these things should be censored. They don't have an understanding. And so, let's look. Verse 51 in chapter 6, it says this. Uh, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. That phrase is mentioned seven different times in chapter 6. It's again and again, Jesus is uh, clarifying His divine origins. Uh, He says, I am that living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This is a spiritual metaphor. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world, that is any and all who believe in Jesus Christ, he says, is my flesh. I think Jesus is pointing forward to the crucifixion. He will serve as a sacrifice. And all who believe in him in the forgiveness of sins will receive eternal life. Bread was the primary food of the Bible times. It was made from a variety of grains and often mixed with lentils or beans. And bread is symbolic as a a sustenance for all of life. Um, This is perhaps where we get the idea in the Lord's Prayer Uh, where it is said, give us today our daily, help me out, bread. bread. The idea is that believing in Jesus Christ daily, trusting in Him daily is the source of life. Let's see how the Jews respond. Verse 52, it says, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're confused. It sounds like cannibalism. and sounds very disturbing and rightfully so. But let's look what Jesus has to say. It says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's moved from bad to worse for offense levels. It was cannibalism. Now it looks like vampirism. It looks very odd. I read this and I'm like, Lord, this is just disturbing material right here. Um, So what does he mean? Well, he definitely means eternal life. Look at verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life. Um, Jesus makes two promises in partaking of this. He says, number one, it's eternal life. It's going to give you eternal life. And then Number two, it it will uh, give you a physical resurrection. I will raise him up on the last day. Um, What many of the Jews had a problem with was the idea that their Messiah would be crucified, that he would die. Uh, The Apostle Paul would later say uh, that the Christ crucified was a stumbling block to the Jews. They found it incredibly offensive and they didn't grasp the idea of Messiah being life through his sacrificial death on a cross. Verses 53 and 54, in my opinion, are the proof text for my Catholic friends that hold to the idea uh, of transubstantiation. Let's say that word together transubstantiation. That idea is the idea where the bread and the wine literally transform into the presence of uh, Christ's body and his blood, Um, and uh, that it's necessary for salvation. I disagree with my Catholic friends on that point because I don't think the Bible argues that and there's theological problems with that. I'll give you a few uh, reasons why I don't think the idea of transubstantiation is a good position to hold to. This isn't in your notes, but I'll say it aloud. Number one, communion hadn't been instituted yet by the Lord. That's That happens later in the ministry of Jesus Christ. That happens at the Last Supper. That's where Communion, as we understand it, is instituted. Secondly, this idea, if you were to partake of the bread and the wine for eternal life, this would contradict the core doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. This would mean that you would have to partake of communion for salvation. Um, That idea is a theological problem because the New Testament does not affirm that at all, that The Bible says that whoever believes will have eternal life. So Jesus is is not talking about that. And then thirdly, if you have your Bible, you could look down at verse 63. Jesus, in a sense, is talking about spiritual metaphors. He says this, and I don't have it on the screen, but I'll read it to you. Verse 63, he says, It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are about spirit and life. In other words, The words that he's talking about are about spiritual life. So what's the idea? The idea is is that when you depend on Jesus Christ and believe in him, you receive eternal life. It's through the cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection that we experience uh, life in Christ. Verse 55, he says, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. I think he's comparing uh, temporal food uh, with, Eternal food. The the temporal food would have been that of the, perhaps the Jewish folks remembered in the wilderness when the manna came down from uh, heaven. Or perhaps the food that they had looked forward to when Jesus performed the miracle to the multitudes. He's saying that he has the true food. That he's the one who can satisfy. He's the one they need to depend on. Verse 56, he says, Whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks my blood, abides... In me and I in him, two things I want to point out about this passage is that the word abides. The word abides actually means believes. So here he's saying, whoever uh, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides, believes in me and I in him. There's another promise here uh, that the promise is is that we're united with Jesus Christ. We have, uh, uh, our life now is uh, united with Christ in our belief, not in the things that we do, but in our belief. This is all throughout the New Testament. Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus said uh, uh, later, he says, I am, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's that idea of United. The Apostle Paul said, Christ in you is the hope of, and some of you know it, what? Let me try it again. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Some of you remember that. Christ in you. You have the spirit of Christ in you as a believer. The Apostle John said, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us the spirit. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is, is that by receiving and believing in Jesus Christ, we're united with him. Just as you have to take food into your body and it becomes part of you through the food or the drink, in receiving Jesus Christ, he becomes part of you. Some people say, man, when I spend time with that Christian over there, it feels like I'm spending time with Jesus Christ. That person is so real. I can feel the presence of Christ when I'm around them. That's because Christ is in us. Um... You need to know that when you take, uh, take up that step of faith and you say, I believe in you, Jesus Christ, you're united with him. Uh, this is what Jesus is referring to, our union with Christ in simple belief. Verse 57 says that the, as the living Father, Jesus says, as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Verse 58 this is the bread that came down from heaven. Again, he talks about the incarnation here, coming to earth. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Verse 59, Jesus said, these things in the synagogue, that'd be the place of teaching, as he taught in Capernaum. Verse 60, here's the response. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? I didn't want to hear it, verse 61, but Jesus, knowing himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said uh, to them, do you take offense at this? The Reality is that uh, many people were taking offense of this, and just like many of us today in our culture, we'll find people easily offended. Uh, Clearly, in our cultural climate right now, it's not too hard to offend people. If what you have to say doesn't fit within a particular ideological framework, then you will be labeled as offensive, right? If you say something that's contrary to what the popular people want to hear, you can even be labeled as hate speech, Um this is not living within the principles of freedom of speech and thought. It's more like living in such a society where there's a thought police or a speech police in what's being said. Erwin Lutzer wisely said many Christians will not be talked out of their faith, but they will likely be mocked out of their faith. Let me say that again. Many Christians today will not be talked out of their faith, but mocked out of their faith. Uh, we're living in such a time where there's I- insults and harassment and Uh, uh, censorship and and hostility towards Christian ideas, Christian or judeo ideas, within our culture that it becomes so controversial it wears Christians out. This shame can lead to silence. Uh, In Canada right now, it's illegal for Christian pastors to speak up on television or radio programs and speak out against anything regarding same-sex marriages, or other religions. You can be criminalized in Canada for speaking about your religious core convictions. At this church, I suppose, we'll probably get in trouble at some point in time. Uh, Pastor Ryan may start a prison ministry one day if he gets in trouble. Um, But (laughs) what we'll do is uh, we do weddings for um, men and women who hold to Christian traditional values. what, what, what I want to help you now in our remaining time is, is trying to figure out a couple things about truth and then how to speak the truth in love. Because the last thing I need you to do is for me to fire you up like Luther's friends followed him in his quest for truth in the Protestant Reformation and run out of here like a bunch of zealots creating mayhem. Um, so... What I want to show you, though, is show you that if you choose to follow Jesus Christ in this culture, realize a lot of your family and friends are probably going to walk away from your connections to them and their faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 66 says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. What that means is a lot of folks just said, It's too controversial. We're not going to follow you, Jesus. I can imagine the kids were like, Dad, he performed miracles. We, we Didn't we believe he was the Messiah? Yeah, but not anymore. So they left. Many of his disciples, let me tell you the truth about truth. Number one, truth can be really hard to hear. It doesn't matter who you are. Sometimes truth is just really difficult to hear. Um, why is it increasingly challenging for, for Christians to uh, share truth? And why are Christians finding that people are saying this is too hard to hear? I'll tell you why. Because if you are a Christian and you hold to Christian Judeo values, let me express to you what you're saying. You're saying that there is an absolute truth. Because Christians hold to the reality that there is good and there is what? Evil. Well, we live in a society where wrong is right and right is wrong. We are post-truth. We're not in truth. So truth is all relative now. So if you are a Christian, your message is hard for people to hear because you adhere to the idea of absolute truth. This is very challenging for people to hear. Um, Another reason why it's hard for people to hear what you have to say is because if you're a Christian, you're holding to the idea that salvation is in Christ, help me out, alone. You don't find salvation in somebody else or something else. There's salvation, eternal life, is through Jesus Christ alone. Thirdly, I would say, is that because if you are finding folks hard to hear you, perhaps it's because if you affirm to the idea that the Bible is the authority for everything, then it's just too hard to hear. So, Many Christians, many people love to hear messages about grace or forgiveness or God's love or heaven, but many, many people do not want to hear about absolute truth. They don't want to hear about salvation exclusively through Jesus Christ. They don't want to hear the Bible as the final authority. They don't want to hear about hell. They don't want to hear about the cost of discipleship, sin, or repentance. So it is with Jesus' followers. Verse 60 says this, John 6, 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? So this is the culture we live in. A lot of folks would just say this is too hard. It's too tough. Don't, who, who's going to listen to this? Uh, number two, the truth about truth. Truth can turn people away. This isn't hard to understand. You just have to realize truth has, uh, It can draw people together, but it also can repel people apart. John six sixty six. I found it interesting that number, 666, it says this After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. A lot of his uh, disciples, followers of Jesus, just said, It's just too much. It's too controversial. You're too much for us, Jesus. Um, the Bible predicted and prophesied that there'd just be generations and generations of people walking away from truth, abandoning it. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4 says this For the time is coming. Apostle Paul says to his protege Timothy, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They don't want it. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Is this happening in our day? Absolutely, it's happening. Um, it's been happening in every generation. People want to accumulate for themselves a kind of form of Christianity that's not very Christian nor biblical. So are these people even believers? I would say I don't think so. Uh, The Apostle John says this, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. What does that mean? That means that there's a lot of people that can just say they're Christian, but they're truly not Christian. What makes you a Christian is not that you come to church, What makes you a Christian is not that you had communion. What makes you a Christian is not that you read the Bible. What makes you a Christian is placing your faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord. That's what makes you a Christian. Believing in Jesus Christ as the risen Lord. So, the truth about truth. Number three, truth can get you killed. It got a lot of people killed. It'll get Jesus killed. I want to share with you, uh, uh, I think it's important from time to time to look back in history, so that we can better look forward. In 1555, the, during the Protestant Reformation, bishops Hugh uh, Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, and John Hooper were all condemned as heretics to be burned at the stake in Oxford, England, by Queen Mary. Uh, burning at the stake was a traditional form of execution for women found guilty of witchcraft. These men's, w- what was their crime? It wasn't witchcraft. It was actually teaching the Bible and pastoring the church. Um, Who had them killed? Queen Mary. This is where you get the name Bloody Mary. Um, So those of you who enjoy the Bloody Mary, remember you're partaking of a drink that was named after a bloody queen who had hundreds of Protestant Christians killed uh, because uh, she was trying to preserve the Catholic faith. What were these men's crimes? I found this interesting. They spoke up and they spoke out about the doctrine of transubstantiation. They were burned at the stake because Queen Mary was trying to preserve and protect the Catholic church and didn't want Protestants there. So she had them uh, burned at the stake. They were in a campaign to suggest that the Lord's table, uh, the communion, would just be a simple, plain thing rather than this big altar in the middle of the church. That was it. You speak up, you speak out, uh, you get ousted. In our day and time, uh, perhaps we're not dealing with that, but this is the way it goes. As a Christian, there's hostility for standing up for truth. Look at what Jesus happened with Jesus. Looking back earlier in his ministry, when he performed some miracles, John chapter 5, verse 18 says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to help me out to what? To kill him. People had Jesus on their number one hit list. They wanted to take him out because he was speaking up for truth. Because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Later in John chapter 7, we'll see it says this after this Jesus went out in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to help me out to kill him. When you stand up for truth, uh, there will be challenges. We live in a country where we can freely communicate uh, our faith. Uh, we can gather and worship and sing. But there are many parts of the world that are deeply persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, these are martyrs that many die for their faith. Um, there's a great little book. Uh, it's called Tortured for Christ. And it's uh, written by, a, as I understand, a Romanian pastor. His name is Richard Wombrandt it was one of the very first little booklets that I ever read as a new Christian. And I literally prayed to myself, Lord Jesus, if you would have ever have me die for my faith, I would find it an honor. So not that I'm planning on doing that. Uh, but I do want to tell you that uh, standing up for truth is challenging. But why do it? Number four, because truth brings eternal life. That's why. What is the whole motivation behind standing up for truth? Truth, the Bible says that we hold the truth of life and death in our mouths, that we can communicate it, that there is good news, that there is a Savior, that he can bring eternal life. Jesus said this, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Uh, Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why communicate truth? Why stand up for truth? The truth about truth is, is truth brings life eternally. So here's the question. How do we speak truth in a post-truth world? How how, how do we do that? Um, Well, Ephesians 4.15 is a great passage that I, I hope that our church will grasp and get because it's so important. It says, uh, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Um, I, I hope that our church is a church that does both. A lot of churches tend towards tend and trend all towards truth and not towards love. A lot of churches all tend and trend towards love and not very much truth. Christians ought to be both, right? It, it really should. So how to speak the truth in a post-truth world. Here's some practical steps. Seek to understand before being understood. This is just basic communication. But if, if we're charged, like the Bible says, to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we're, we're told by Scripture that we are the witnesses of the world. We're told by Jesus that we're light of the world. We're told by Jesus that we're supposed to be salt of the earth. We're told by Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. This is our job. This is our part of our identity. So how do you do that? I think you have to understand most people don't care about truth, right? They do care about love. So you come in the name of love, but never forsake truth. And you say, I want to understand you. Um, I think it is important not to just look at people when you see their alternative lifestyle or their bad choices or you're you are finding hostility and friction into any dialogue in culture or on Facebook whatever be the case that you don't just simply engage the individual and say what is wrong with you but perhaps you step back and say what happened to you what's going on behind the scenes with you I care about you I want to understand before simply trying to be understood Secondly, I would just say be motivated by love, not by hate. This is really important. I, I hope that love is at that heartbeat of everything that we do as a church, because I know it's the motivation of God. For God, so what loved the world? That's that's what He did. That's why He did it. He He so loved. My concern is is that in me preaching a lot of truth, you guys get fired up and you forget the love side. Um, yesterday, I was in a pretty bad uh, car accident. We were driving out to Lake Pleasant Road, my wife and a young lady in the back seat, and we were headed out about 55 miles per hour, uh, driving down uh, Carefree Highway, it headed towards Lake Pleasant, and there was a young lady in probably a Honda Accord uh, right at New River. And she made a glance to the right, and I'm coming to her left side, and then she just floors it straight into the side of my truck Um, we crushed over her vehicle and then our vehicle went into a spin and we were spinning probably about 55 60 miles an hour uh, into oncoming traffic and um, the whole time it's like I don't know if you've ever been in an accident like that the whole world slows down this is my prayer Lord Jesus protect my wife protect my wife we came to a stop, and the cars are coming at us, and uh, I look at everybody. I mean, it, it really wrecked my truck really bad, and I'm thinking, this is bad. And I look, and I say, is everybody okay? And the girl said, yes, we're okay. I said, good. I jump out of the vehicle, and I look over, and I see the car. It looks like it's ripped in half. I said, ma'am, are you okay? Is the friend okay? She pops out. She says, we're all okay. I said, oh, my goodness. We're standing there. I felt like, you know, adrenaline. I still feel like I got adrenaline from it. And so everybody's okay, but we're standing in the middle of the highway and people are zooming by. And, you know, right now, I mean, imagine where you are at Saturday afternoon on Carefree Highway, Lake Pleasant Lake just let out. Everybody was partying at Lake Pleasant. The cars are coming down the highway and we're we're a show. You know, we got a vehicle smashed up, my sweet truck looks no more sweet, it's done. Young girl over here with half her hood, her car ripped off, and we're walking around in the middle of 74 while cars are zooming by. Uh, It was frustrating to me, you know, everybody's got their cell phones out driving by, looking at us, videoing us, and I guess there's a trend on TikTok and and, uh, Instagram and everything else right now. And they say, yell at us while well, they're drunk and, uh, you know, hey, get out of the road. It's, you can't park in the middle of the road. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like somebody could be dead right now. And uh, the girl, she, you know, she, I'm, uh, I'm thinking to myself, man, I'd say something back to these punks that said that. But I'm like, I'm Pastor Ryan. I can't do that. So the girl yells out, shut up, you a-hole. I said, get them, girl. <laughs> Uh, Then another guy drives by real slow and he says, hey, he had seen my truck topper flipped out and went over. My dog kennel flew out into the other part, debris all over the highway. He said, hey buddy, are you okay? I said, I'm okay. He said, is everybody else okay? I said, yeah, we're okay. He said, is your dog okay? I said, I didn't bring my dog today. I'm so glad I didn't. He said, well, thank God. He goes, hey buddy, I just want you to know I love you, man. And he drove on. I thought, who is this man? Who is this man? Here who he is. He's a person who loves humanity. He's got a heart for humanity. He didn't care what my beliefs were. He didn't care what my race was. He just loved people. My prayer is, is that you just be a motivated by love kind of person, not by hate. The world's not going to know us by our love. Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples by by your what? By your love. So I say that to you. Be motivated by love, not by hate. Attack the problem, not the person. Too many times we try to attack the person and vilify them. But we don't need to do that. We need to attack the problem, not the person. Be motivated by love. And then last two, always share good news with people. Don't ever forget that. You always have to share good news with people and you always need to be humble. Um, As Christians, you you have an inside angle. You know the truth. This is the authority of God's word. You know the secret to eternal life. You hold the keys in a sense to the eternal hope of all glory, Christ in you. So the Apostle Paul did this very well, and in encouraging Timothy, he said this, Hey, Timothy, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. I think Paul had a very strong sense of the good news of Jesus Christ, that the Bible says that we can come to him, that he forgives sin, one sin, all sin, any kind of sin, Jesus came, the bread of life came to us so that we could have forgiveness of sins, so we can have a peace, that we can have an atonement, that we can have good news. Paul reminds Timothy of that and then he says that he's the foremost sinner. My encouragement to you is if you're ever confronting somebody, you always remember that you still stand on that same ground where you're a sinner too. You never... You never get beyond that. Everybody struggles with sin. I want to challenge you to speak truth in a post-truth world. Realize you're going to face some opposition, but we're just following in the footsteps of our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we would stand strong, speak up, speak truth in, a, in tough times. Pray that we would give us a great sense of courage. Lord, and just confirmation that we need to just keep moving forward. Give us a great love for all people. No matter what background they come from, no matter what they believe, would, you, would we be motivated by love? We thank you that you've been motivated by love. And Lord, for anyone and everyone that's concerned about just their eternal destiny, might they just turn to you and find forgiveness and hope in and, and your name. Your name is above all names. Bible says that simply by believing and receiving that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we can be saved. And so for all those that have not yet received you or believed in you, might they do so today. Thank you, Lord, for your church. We pray that you would continue to grow us and strengthen us in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.